Hello, I'm Sophie. This is the Hospice Podcast from St John's Hospice. And as you may know, St John's looks after patients and families in North Lancashire, South Lakes and parts of North Yorkshire. So welcome. Today I'm excited and delighted both to be joined by Charlotte Blakey, who is our bereavement lead nurse on the inpatient ward. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, Sophie. Charlotte's joining us at the end of a night shift, so um, we're going to be very gentle and very, very kind. So seriously, Charlotte, thank you. You've just come off a very, very long shift. I want us to chat today, as you know, about grief and bereavement. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, what is the difference between grief and bereavement? Because we hear the terms used interchangeably, don't we? But they're quite separate things, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, So we've got grief, which tends to be the feeling and the process of losing or death. Um, It tends to be how people feel losing someone that's close or something that's close to them. Um, And then you've got bereavement, which is the period after loss, after death. Um, And then this can then lead into mourning. Which then is the pro so mourning is the process of which people adapt to the person or the thing that they've lost. So bereavement is what have I got this right? And apologies if I haven't. So bereavement is what you experience when someone dies. Yep. Grief is the process that follows. No, so grief is the feeling of that person that's lost something or someone close to them so it it can start before death you can grieve before death um during death or you can grieve all the way through there's different periods of grief different um kinds of grief as well you've got mental you've got physical you've got social and emotional reactions that with grief as well okay thank you for that and mourning this is another period and is this about rituals and practice? Yeah, so again, so mourning is after death. You you tend to go through your bereavement stage and then mourning. So a lot of people associate um, funerals as mourning for someone. Okay. Where some people find wearing black um, outfits to a funeral can be mourning for someone. Yes. You've got... Um, Different cultures celebrate different things and that can be their way of mourning as well. And I would imagine as well that actually at times rituals and practices can be quite comforting because they can help people know what to do when. Yeah. But not for it to be too prescriptive, but you're the expert here. Yeah, I agree with you. And also it gives them a sense of doing something as well and belonging and you know, some people get comfort from following their cultures and being able to kind of do like a process and that allows them to to grieve better because they've they've followed this process okay that makes absolute sense to me so again just so we're clear grief different stages no set time and you're going to tell me it's different for everyone aren't you definitely yeah everyone there's no right or wrong way on how you should be grieving for someone um or that that person that's died or that person that you've lost and you know some people will grieve differently to what another family member would you know you all have your own experiences with that person that's died and you've all got different loves and different relationships with that person so you will all grieve very differently 
and you say something really interesting there, and you always say interesting things, <laughs> but I'm just picking up on the word relationship there. So I guess your relationship with the person who has died can also affect the grieving process. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you weren't that close to that person, you might find that that some someone who is very close to him grieves completely different to you. You know, we see it all the time of, you know, mum's crying, but I'm not crying. Why am I not crying yet? You know, there's different stages and you might never hit that stage that mum's already hit. Um, but that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're not grieving or you're not grieving correctly for that person because there is no right or wrong way to grieve. And that grieving process may happen weeks, months down the line, might now. Yeah, um, some people grieve before, during, and some people it can go a couple of years before you even, you even start that grieving process. So tell us about grieving before. Um, I think when people are aware of what's coming, yeah. Um, is when people may grieve before. So when people get a diagnosis, um, sometimes people start grieving for that person before before they die because yeah. they they know what they can anticipate what's coming up. Um, so that's when when I say grieving before, that tends to be what I mean. Again, thank you for that. And I suppose my other thought, um, which is coming through to me, is. Is it different in children and is it different in adults? Or is that a misnomer? No, I, I, I think you're right, yes. I think it's very important. Um, children are a lot more knowledgeable than what we think. Really? Um, and I think it's very important that we do sit down and have honest conversations with children. Um, they're a lot more aware of what's going on. Um, and I think if we're honest with the children, you know, it's, you know if they come to you and say, oh, like share your grief with your children as well. If if you're upset, it's okay to cry in front of the children because then they you might find that they cry with you and it's okay to cry and talk about nanny who might have died or dad who might have died and have those memories and allow them to grieve with you and allow yeah. them to tell you how they're feeling as well rather than keeping it closed. That's great. We're, I'm going to come back to that later if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Charlotte, thank you for that. I think it's really important for me, just so that I can understand and, and support the listeners as well. Grief and bereavement, like we said before, two terms used interchangeably, but actually they're quite different, yeah? Yeah. So importantly, grief is the feeling, isn't it? The emotional feelings, psychological feelings, how you could feel socially... Whereas bereavement is a process that you're going through. And generally that starts when the person dies. Is that right? That's correct. So time's an interesting word, isn't it? Because I'm sure, you know, even from my own personal experience inside and outside of work, time, there is no specific time, is there? It can be months, it can be years. It's different for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. One of the most common questions we get is how long? How long till mum dies or how long till dad dies it's very hard for us to say how long even if we give a prognosis it doesn't mean that we're a hundred percent that that will be the day that 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 person sure. dies and i suppose that's as, as, as well isn't it for for grief when people ask how long will it take before i feel normal again how long will it take for me to get over this yeah again i'm imagining there is no answer to that question no and Personal experiences, speaking from a personal experience, 
Um, I don't think you ever do get over it. I think you learn to cope with it, learn to live life without that person, but differently. Um, I'm going to really pounce on you there because that's a word I hear a lot, coping. What is it? Again, what what does it mean? Or is, it, is this, again, something that's different to different people? Yeah, definitely. Um, everybody copes differently. There's Again, there's no right or wrong way on how you should cope or if you cope in the right way or should I be coping now because mum's coping now and I, I don't think that I'm coping at this point. Absolutely hear that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, coping and grief are very similar things. Some people will experience it, some people won't. You know, I lost my nan at 16 and I don't think I dealt with grief until four years later. Okay. Um. So, and that wasn't the wrong thing for me to do. That was, at that time, that was right. I focused on other things and then suddenly started grieving for my nan. Um, and you see that through your work as well, that it, it happens to people at very different yeah, stages. definitely, definitely. And you hear at work as well, well... Why aren't I crying? Mum's crying. I should be crying. Yeah. You should, you know, you're coping with it differently. Mum has a different love and relationship to what you've got a different love and relationship, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And again, people absorb and work through things at different stages. Yeah. Are there any, I feel awkward using this term, but are there any coping strategies? So I'm thinking about people who are listening, who may feel whatever we say, I'm not coping. I'm not coping at all, and I don't know what to do about it. In your experience, are there coping strategies that can be helpful to people? Definitely. I think, you know, when you look back, you might have a memorable place um, that might be nice to go to and just sit and think about that person that you've lost or that person that's died. Um, I think, you know, you could um, ring friends who aren't going through that grieving or bereavement process, sometimes it's nice to take yourself away from it and talk about something differently yeah. and reach out to the, to your close friends who actually know how to help you deal with things as well. You know, go for a walk, talk about what's going on in the real world. Um, and I think talking is the biggest thing okay. of how people cope as well. I think rather than bottling it up, yeah. um, it's important to talk to loved ones, friends, and if you need that extra help, then talk to your GP and maybe you know talk to a counsellor if you feel that that's something that you might need. It's a hard one, isn't it, Charlotte? Because people say they feel awkward about reaching out for help. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't ring her, she's busy. You know, she's, she's, she's got a partner and a few kids to see to and a full-time job, can't, can't. But people want to help, don't they? I oh, always definitely. feel genuinely that people want to help. Yeah, and I think if you speak to those people that you think they're too busy for you, and, you know, I think they'll always say, you know, I'm always here, I'm at the end of the phone, give me a text or give me a ring. Yeah. Um, and I think you should. There's no there's no harm in reaching out and saying, actually, I need a hug or yeah. I need to go for a walk and just talk about something else. Yeah. There's no harm in that. So you say walk, is fresh air important? Walk, getting away? Yeah, definitely. Um, nature, just stripping it right back and, you know, listening to the birds or some people like to go for a run to clear their head. Um, you know, sit out in the garden. Yeah. We've got, you know, a lot of people sit out in the garden at the hospice because yeah. it's a lovely ground. We've it got is. lovely animals that they like to listen to. Um, 
and it just take it's peaceful it just mm -hmm. takes you away from everything that's going on sometimes and at home i'm guessing if you're looking after someone at home or someone you love has died and you're at home again step out into the back garden or yard go for a walk around the block yeah. go to the park yeah definitely just get out just get out just get, get out. out and talk okay that's really helpful thank you people talk don't they about oh you'll learn to live with it what does that really mean and is that actually do you think that's actually possible charlotte i don't think you'll ever learn to live with it i think you'll change daily routines yeah okay um i think you will continue life without that person that you've lost right um and i think each day will become that little bit easier okay little bit easier so it takes time yeah it takes time it takes time absolutely but it is something you hear people say isn't it all oh, the yeah. time it's one of the most common phrases that we hear and i can tell by the look on your face which obviously our listeners can't see that it's something you'd, you'd rather we all didn't say yeah yeah definitely um people don't want to hear that no. people want to hear are you okay yeah. how are you today yeah how's your day treating you yeah not more support then yeah because i think learning to live with it can feel a bit like I think it's time that you just got on with yeah, it. Yeah, it's time to move on. Yeah, and as you said before, weeks, months, years, different for everyone. Definitely, yeah, different for everyone. So the moments when you feel utterly overwhelmed, when it feels too difficult, when there's too much going on in your head and in your life, and I think, and again, you, you know more about this than I do, it happens, doesn't it, for example, after a funeral, when everyone's been really busy on the run to the funeral, the funeral's taken place, people have gone back to work, gone back to daily routines, you're there with everything and you feel utterly overwhelmed. Are there any, is there any advice, any signposting that you can give people who are just sat there thinking, I'm just overwhelmed with this? So Whether I, that's, as you said, whatever stage of grief that is. Yeah, and people will hit that stage differently. Sometimes it can be a month after the funeral. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be two, three years down the line. Yeah. Um, just little things can set people off. Birthdays, anniversaries, um, you know. And I think the main thing is to keep talking and reaching out. I think okay. reaching out is so important. Don't be on your own. Don't feel alone. You know, there are people that are going through different grieving experiences and sometimes it's good to talk to those people. You know, we have a bereavement cafe. This is something that we started up the last couple of months, which invites bereaved, grieved and people that have lost people to come and have um, the experience of a closed private area. Um, so what what is Grief Cafe? I mean, I know about it in, in, in terms of helping to do the publicity for it, people are showing a lot of interest. What actually happens, Charlotte? So this came back from feedback from relatives of patients that had died in the hospice. Um, they felt that during the time in the hospice, they had a lot of support from St John's Hospice. Okay. But after death, um, they didn't have as much support and kind of felt lost without us. Right. 
Um, so the feedback was that they would like to more more involvement after death as well. Mm -hmm. So we set up a grief cafe so that people who have lost and we've opened it out to the public so that people are grieving as well. That's okay. So that's where the names come from, grief cafe. So it's not just for it's not just for people who've experienced a death here at St John's. No, no, it's opened out to the full everyone. public. Yeah, grand. Um, and it's the cafe is shut off as a private area. Um, and they can come um, have a coffee, have a chat with people that are going through different stages of grief and bereavement. So yeah. they can see, um, hear their experiences. Yeah. And also we have Christine there, who is the family bereavement support officer as well. So she can have a chat with them. Yeah. We can point people in um, areas if they feel that they need a bit more support. Um, we've got useful numbers. Um, and I'm there as well. So anybody that has been on the ward yeah. sometimes likes to see that a familiar face is there for Absolutely. them to have that chat afterwards as well. So are you going through the scenarios where people actually come to the grief cafe and, and are sort of saying out loud or to themselves, actually, it's not just me? Yeah. who's feeling like this yeah and I'm imagining that in itself is, is is quite helpful yeah definitely and I think that's important I think people need to realize that you might not be at this stage of grief but you're at this stage of grief and there's a lady over there that's at the same stage of grief as yeah. you so how how are you two coping is there any is there any way advice that you can give each other to make that coping different or better or yeah. just talk about your experience as well and just again realizing that you're not on your own. No, this is you know what you're experiencing is is is, is quite common. You've touched on something there that I'm really interested in, and that's what I call significant days, um, birthdays, Christmas, wedding anniversary. Those times where you think this is the first wedding anniversary without her or without him, or Christmas isn't going to be the same this year. And I, I, I know from what people have said and personal experiences, it's something actually we get quite worked up about. Yeah. Preparing for it, thinking about it, dreading it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Charlotte? Because again, we see this all the time. Yeah, this is very common. And the first one always seems to be the worst okay. as well. So first birthday, first anniversary, yeah. first Christmas. Although speaking from my experience, um, my personal experience, I don't think Christmas ever got easier for me. Um, first, second, third was always worse. Okay. Um, I lost my nan when we were 16 and Christmas used to be our day. She used to come to ours and Christmas was all about nan being there. All about nan being yeah. there. Great. You know, she'd have a dates Christmas Eve, eat her dates and then she'd have a whiskey. So <laughs> it, Christmas became very difficult when nan passed away, when yeah. nan died. Um, and... I dreaded Christmas to the right. point that I used to work every day on Christmas so that I didn't have to be at home. Really? Yeah, Nan had her own seat, so no one sat in that seat at Christmas. Yeah, um, and it sits there empty and everyone stares every at it. Every year it's there, yeah. So yeah. I used to volunteer to work Christmas Day because I didn't want to be in that empty room without her. Gosh. And that's okay to feel like that. And that's, again, that's part of your grieving and your yeah. bereavement um, stages. Um, but now... Christmas is fun again because I've got a little boy now and he knows yes. very much about my nan, you know, although we never got to meet her. Um, we, we talk about her all the time. We show pictures of her and 
you know, create those memories that I have with my nan, I now do on Christmas Day with my little boy. So I carry that that on for him. So it's about celebrating. Yeah. You know, that's an option, isn't the it? To celebrate yeah. the, the, the person who isn't there anymore. Yeah. Okay. No, I think I think that's that's really, really helpful. What I'm gonna ask you something controversial now, and that's about when people feel guilty yet relieved that someone close to them has died because it's something that people feel isn't it and they say I know this sounds really horrible Sophie but actually I feel relieved but then I feel awful and really guilty for saying that yeah this is the most common thing we hear every day every day every day yeah tell us more um I think people find it hard to watch their loved one going through the last days of life. Yeah. Um, I think sitting there, watching them sometimes waiting. suffer, waiting, um, not be the person that they know that they are. You know, um, they look different. They're breathing differently. And I think family find that hard to watch day in, day out. And even as you can all, imagine. Absolutely. And even with all the pain and sim pain management and symptom management that happens with yourselves and the inpatient ward or hospice at home team, as you say, that person doesn't look no. the same. And a lot of the people. time we're here, it's not my mum. Yeah. Mum wouldn't like this. Right. You know, so I think that's where the guilt comes in because they want to they want to relieve mum of this pain sure um and sometimes they kind of wish she'd take her last breath or he'd take his last breath yeah um but then they feel guilty that they wish that because why would i want mum dead yeah so basically what you're saying to me is you hear this every day we hear and it every it's day. absolutely normal for it's people absolutely to feel like normal that and, and people shouldn't feel guilty not at all and it's okay to feel like that because you're suffering as well as your loved one and again, we talk, don't we, at St John's Hospice about the fact that we look after the patient, but we also look after the family. Because as you said, it's hard for the patient, it's hard for the family as well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a big believer of this. Um, family is very important. And a lot of people that come in, when we ask them what's important to you, it's family, family. Yeah. You know, um, and I think death is as important as every day of your life so i think if we can get that right for the family because yeah. that's going to be their last ever experience then we're doing the job that we should be doing and i think it's so important to make sure that that family goes away with a good ex good experience and good yeah. memories of that person so it's okay to feel guilty yep you shouldn't feel guilty it's perfectly normal don't be embarrassed about it it's something that you hear every day and it's actually part it's part of the of, grieving process part of the grieving yeah. process i think i think i know that people are going to find that really really helpful you talked there about a while back about memories and i think there's i think i could be wrong this thing about well it's your last days so it's it's about looking back but i know from your work it's about looking back but also about making new memories so i want i want you to share with people some of the fabulous work that you do i yeah memories is a massive thing to me i think those memories will live on forever in your mind but sometimes you need that familiar smell sometimes you need 
you know, lavender. Whenever I smell lavender, I think of my nan because she used to rub lavender balm on, on my forehead. Okay. So, you know, so we started doing memory boxes. Yeah. Um, and these are something that can be done after death or they can be done during that grieving process as well. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's nice for the, the patient to do the memory box with the family members. So What's a memory box? So That's a memory box exactly is, memory box is a box of mum or a box of gran. So everything that you, you think of that reminds you of this person, that is what the box is going to be full of. So like you can put perfume, the favourite perfume in it, yeah. a storybook that you used to read, yeah. favourite chocolate, pictures, yeah. you know, hand casts, letters. Um, so that when you open that box, when mum or nan or dad's no longer with you, yeah. dad's in that box or mum's in that box. Yeah, all the memories are in that box. Yeah, all your memories are there. And it's a box full of your loved one. Yeah. Um, they're very popular aren't they they are very popular and they're also popular to do after death as well because okay. it's quite nice to give to the children um, of the family so that they can put their memories of gran into it Yeah. rather than gran's memories of them together they can yeah. put gran's memories in it or granddad's or dad's memories in it Absolutely. Um, so we do give them for them to take home as well so that they can create their own memory box. Something tangible, isn't it? It's yeah. something tangible, which takes me on beautifully to the memory cushions because to me, these are fabulous because it's 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 a tangible hug. So tell us about those because they, they are becoming more and more popular, aren't they? Yeah, they are. So we have the memory cushions, which um, our lovely volunteers make for us. Um, and... It's I think, 10 items of clothing and it's made into a cushion. So it's um, 10 items of clothing from your loved one. So it's like t-shirts, shirts. Shirts, t-shirts, jeans. Yeah. Favourite outfit, favourite fancy dress outfit. Okay. <laughs> you know. It, Got it, visions of sequins now <laughs> yeah. being sewn into this. If they had a blanket, it, that can go into it. So it's 10 items of clothing from the person that's died um, and it's made into a cushion. So you technically are hugging them yeah yeah beautiful i've seen them yeah. they're absolutely beautiful and that's not all is there you've got your memory cushion sorry memory boxes memory boxes memory cushions the hug cushions keepsake cushions yeah we what do. else do we do hand casts hand casts yeah which are beautiful um that allows you to have six valuable minutes with the person that you love holding their hand um, one of the feedbacks that we got from that was, do you know what? It was so nice to hold mum's hand for six yeah. minutes, which is lovely, isn't it? Yes. And then also you take that hand home with you. So even when mum's died, you've yeah. still got mum's hand to hold. Beautiful. Or you've got the image of you and mum holding hands as well. I mean, I think, you know, genuinely in awe of, of, of the work that you do to for people to create new memories, because I think we're very good here, aren't we? Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings. weddings. <laughs> yes, there's quite a few weddings here. I'm in awe, Charlotte, of, of you know the work that you do in creating these memories, and I, and I know how much they mean to people. And another thing that I find quite interesting in terms of the memories is that recently there's been a number of people having memorial tattoos, isn't there? Yeah, there has. Like, I, I think they're amazing. Like. We had a lady who had this beautiful thistle and that was her last wish. That's what she wanted and yeah. she got it. 
And then we've had a family who had matching tattoos yeah, and very kindly from both tattoo artists who just came in last minute notice and yeah. gifted them to us. And they're beautiful little small Small hearts. love hearts, the family, yeah. 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 They're becoming more popular, aren't they, Memorial Tattoos? They are, yeah, yeah. they are. And if, if it's something we can do, we will always try and do it for that patient and family. Fabulous. Moving on to that moment where you are grieving for the person who's died. So your partner's died, you're grieving for them, but also you're trying to look after everybody else who is also grieving. So I'm thinking of the scenario where your partner's died, you're grieving, but actually so are his parents, so are your children, and you're just not sure there's enough to go wrong, to go round even. How do you manage? I think I think it's important to grieve together, but then I also think, you know, you need to also step back and give allow yourself time to grieve on your own. Um, as we've said previously, everybody grieves differently. Um, there's no right or wrong way on grieving, and you might find that in this family, people are grieving at different stages at what you're grieving at. Of course. Um, I think, again, it's important to talk, but then I think if you do feel a little bit overwhelmed, step back, take yourself out in the garden, give yeah. yourself half an hour, just to allow yourself to grieve for that person that you've, you've loved. Charlotte, I'd be really interested in your thoughts on how people manage when they're grieving for someone, but also so are members of the family. So to me, a classic example would be you're grieving for your partner. The children are also grieving for the partner. Your partner's family are grieving for them. And you're in the middle of all of this. I think... I think what we need to remember is it's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel um, different stages of grief because yeah. you all loved that person differently. You all had a different relationship with that person. So you're all going to grieve differently as well. And that's okay. And it's okay to grieve as a family, but it's also okay to allow yourself some time away from the family to grieve on your own. And I think we need to remember that that stage is important. So why is it that people feel selfish to do that? Because they do, don't they? Yeah. You can say, right, actually, you need some time to yourself. What you need to do is go to the shops, go and go out for a coffee. Oh, I can't do that. I can't, can't, can't leave the kids. I can't leave the family. Yeah. There's that... We're back to guilt. Yeah, definitely. Guilt at not managing, guilt at... Oh, it's selfish to take time out, but you're saying it's not. No, not at all. And I think you feel that guilt because you feel like you should be keeping the family going. You should be, be living normal life still. Uh -huh. um, and I think that, you know, if you, if you stop doing that, you're going to allow yourself to grieve. And sometimes people don't like to allow themselves into that process because they're worried about crying they're worried about looking weak and there's no so is this actually listening to you is this perhaps a bit of avoidance yeah for keep going yeah or in denial okay and i think you know not taking that time away can sometimes make the grief process longer right. and harder because you're not allowing yourself that time to think yeah. about the person that's died or to start moving on and continuing with life without that person. But again, I guess I guess I could be wrong that you're going to say you take that time when it's right, whether that's Definitely, week one, yeah. week six, week 16. 
every night when you call into bed yeah. you, you you choose the time yeah definitely and also sometimes it's important to take that time with your children as well um some people say oh i can't i can't cry in front of my little boy um if he sees mummy cry he might cry okay but that's good cry together and share those memories together and show show your children that it is okay to cry because you have lost someone that you love that person has died and it's okay to feel the way that you do feel about it i i find that really interesting because we're going to do a podcast aren't we on um bereavement and, and children and there's like lots of examples isn't there of exactly as you've just said perfectly can't cry in front of the children don't want the children to come to the funeral tell them that you know Mummy's gone to sleep. Then the kids are afraid of ever going to sleep. So it's it's involving them. Yeah. Not passing your grief on, I'm guessing you're saying, but no. involving. Sharing your grief. Sharing, yeah. that's the word. Sharing your grief. Them communicating with you how they're feeling and you communicating back saying, well, actually, yeah, mummy's sad as well. And it's that's okay, okay to, to be that. sad. Yeah. And it, and it is okay to be sad. You know, if, if you feel sad at school, you can go and talk to your teacher and, you know, or if, if you want to talk to mummy or daddy about it, you know, yeah. we, we, we're allowed to talk about about yeah. those things. Yeah, let's not pretend it's not no, happened. because it has happened and yeah. kids are very knowledgeable. They're aware of what's yeah. going on and allow them to ask those questions and be honest with them. Is it, is it adults more so than children that struggle yeah. with this I'm just I'm, I'm really just thinking about what you're saying because you're right children can be quite black and white can't they yeah definitely whereas adults stiff up a lip carry on mustn't do this must appear brave inverted commas yeah we're very good at avoiding things adults yeah um but it's not so good no it's not good <laughs> no <laughs> it's, it's not, not so good, good. <laughs> no we're we're good at doing it but we shouldn't be doing it yeah no we hear you perfectly the last thing I really want to ask you, but I, I say this, I say last, and, and then I'll probably, you know, you'll say something, I want to ask you more questions. It's something that people ask me a lot, and, and you're better qualified to, to deal with this than I am. How do you deal with unwanted advice? So the unwanted advice I hear a lot from my friends who've um, been bereaved is, especially younger friends of mine, is that people say to them, oh, don't worry, you're, you're still young, you'll meet someone else. And they, a lot of people can find that quite offensive. And another one I hear is, what you need to do is get yourself a dog for company now he's gone. Yeah. Charlotte, give us a steer here. I think, I think it's going back <laughs> to what we previously said, isn't it? You know, um, we, we should be supporting people, not giving them advice. Um, you not know, telling them what to do. Not telling them what to do, yeah. yeah. We all think we're doing the best and we're all doing it in good intentions, aren't we? That's true. Um, but sometimes it's not what you want to hear. Sometimes you want to hear, are you okay? How's your day been? You know, and there's nothing wrong with saying, actually, well, thank you for your bit of advice, but I'm not going to get a dog. Or I'm, I'm not going to find someone else. You know, I, I'm going to grieve, and, but thank you. Yeah. So close down the conversation. Yeah. Thank or you. Change close the conversation. Down, if it's something it. you don't want to talk about, yeah. then change the conversation or you know Talk about what you want to talk about. What you about. want to talk about, yeah. Which may or not be a dog. Which may not be a dog. 
Charlotte, is there anything that you want to say that I haven't asked you? And this is someone I ask of everyone because I'm here in the luxurious position of firing questions at people, obviously today about grief and bereavement. Is there anything that I've not asked you, anything that's at the back of your mind you're thinking, I want to say this? I just think we need to remember to be kind to everyone. We're all at different stages. We all experience different things. And somewhere along the line, we will all lose someone that we love. And I think we just need to be there for everyone. It's going to happen to everyone. It's going to happen to everyone. So it needs to be part of everyday conversation, yeah. which obviously, as you know, is, is why we do these podcasts. Definitely. To, to make it part of everyday conversation. So I think from taking that from you is, it's not to brush it under the carpet, not to pretend it's not actually happening and all must be normal again, but actually make the process part of everyday life. Definitely. And sometimes when you do make the grief and bereavement process, you're keeping that person that's died, you're keeping them alive because you're still talking about them. Yeah. And you're still talking about the memories that you've got with them and the memories that you've had with them. So although actually, yes, they are dead, but they're still alive in your memory and will be alive for as long as you talk about them. And I think it's absolutely lovely to hear that because we know, don't we, that, that people say, you know, she's died but people won't talk about it. Yeah. It's like it never happened. Yeah, and, you know, that person was special to you and you, lo you love that person, so why would we not talk about them? And especially to people like your children that may never have met these people. Yeah. Keep, keep them alive in the family so that they go in and talk about them. You know, they're going to yeah. see pictures of them, so you want them to know who they are when they see pictures of them. So we're back to the memory box. Yeah. We're back to your lovely and, and very personal story about Christmas going yeah. forward and not pretending that it hasn't happened. No. Charlotte, thank you so much for your time today. You're no doubt welcome. we'll meet again. Thank you. Thank you. If you feel this has been helpful to you and will be useful for someone else, please do share it. We'll be with you again soon, talking through a different palliative care subject. To make sure you don't miss the next one, simply choose the subscribe option. Thank you for listening today.